This is section five of Mark Twain, a biography, volume two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter one hundred and nine. The public appearance of Tom Sawyer. Clemens gave a few readings in Boston and Philadelphia, but when urged to go elsewhere made the excuse that he was having his portrait painted and could not leave home. As a matter of fact, he was enjoying himself with Frank Millet, who had been invited to the house to do the portrait, and had captured the fervent admiration of the whole family. Millet was young, handsome, and lively. Clemens couldn't see enough of him. The children adored him, and added his name to the prayer which included each member of the household. The Holy Family, Clemens called it. Millet had brought with him but one piece of canvas for the portrait, and when the first sketch was finished, Mrs. Clemens was so delighted with it that she did not wish him to touch it again. She was afraid of losing some particular feeling in it which she valued. Millet went to the city for another canvas, and Clemens accompanied him. While Millet was doing his shopping it happened to occur to Clemens that it would be well to fill in the time by having his hair cut. He left word with a clerk to tell Millet that he had gone across the street. By and by the artist came over and nearly wept with despair when he saw his subject sheared of the auburn gray-sprinkled aureola that had made his first sketch a success. He tried it again, and the result was an excellent likeness, but it never satisfied Millet. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer appeared late in December, 1876, and immediately took its place as foremost of American stories of boy life, a place which it unquestionably holds to this day. We have already considered the personal details of this story, for they were essentially nothing more than the various aspects of Mark Twain's own boyhood. It is only necessary to add a word concerning the elaboration of this period in literary form. From every point it is a masterpiece, this picture of boy life in a little lazy, drowsy town, with all the irresponsibility and general disreputability of boy character, coupled with that indefinable formless, elusive something we call boy conscience, which is more likely to be boy terror and a latent instinct of manliness. These things are so truly portrayed that every boy and man reader finds the tale fitting into his own remembered years, as if it had grown there. Every boy has played off sick to escape school. Every boy has reflected in his heart Tom's picture of himself being brought home dead, and gloated over the stricken consciences of those who had blighted his young life. Every boy of that day, at least, every normal, respectable boy, grew up to fear God and dread the Sunday school, as Howells puts it in his review. As for the story itself, the narrative of it, it is pure delight. The pirate camp on the island is simply boy heaven. What boy, for instance, would not change any other glory or boon that the world holds for this? They built a fire against the side of a great log twenty or thirty steps within the somber depths of the forest, and then cooked some bacon in the frying pan for supper, and used up half of the corn pone stock they had brought. It seemed glorious sport to be feasting in that wild, free way in the 
virgin forest of an unexplored and uninhabited island far from the haunts of men and they said they never would return to civilization the climbing fire lit up their faces and threw its ruddy glare upon the pillared tree trunks of their forest temple and upon the varnished foliage and the festooning vines there is a magic in it mark twain when he wrote it felt renewed in him all the old fascination of those days and nights with tom blankenship john briggs and the bowen boys on glasscock's island everywhere in tom sawyer there is a quality entirely apart from the humor and the narrative which the younger reader is likely to overlook no one forgets the whitewashing scene but not many of us from our early reading recall this delicious bit of description which introduces it the locust trees were in bloom and the fragrance of the blossoms filled the air cardiff hill beyond the village and above it was green with vegetation and it lay just far enough away to seem a delectable land dreamy reposeful and inviting tom's night visit home the graveyard scene with the murder of dr robinson the adventures of tom and becky in the cave these are all marvelously invented literary thrill touches the ultimate in one incident of the cave episode brander matthews has written nor is there any situation quite as thrilling as that awful moment in the cave when the boy and the girl are lost in the darkness and when tom suddenly sees a human hand bearing a light and then finds that the hand is the hand of indian joe his one mortal enemy i have always thought that the vision of the hand in the cave in tom sawyer was one of the very finest things in the literature of adventure since robinson crusoe first saw a single footprint in the sand of the seashore mark twain's invention was not always a reliable quantity but with that eccentricity which goes with any attribute of genius it was likely at any moment to rise supreme if to the critical hardened reader the tale seems a shade overdone here and there a trifle extravagant in its delineations let him go back to his first long-ago reading of it and see if he recalls anything but his pure delight in it then as a boy's story it has not been equaled tom sawyer has ranked in popularity with roughing it its sales go steadily on from year to year and are likely to continue so long as boys and girls do not change and men and women remember colonel henry watterson when he finished tom sawyer wrote i have just laid down tom sawyer and cannot resist the pressure it is immense i read every word of it and didn't skip a line and nearly disgraced myself several times in the presence of a sleeping car full of honorable and pious people once i had to get to one side and have a cry as for an internal compound of laughter and tears there was no end to it the funeral of the boys the cave business and the hunt for the hidden treasure are as dramatic as anything i know of in fiction while the pathos 
particularly everything relating to Huck and Aunt Polly, makes a cross between Dickens' skill and Thackeray's nature, which, resembling neither, is thoroughly impressive and original. End of chapter 109 The Public Appearance of Tom Sawyer Read by John Greenman